Theonauts, episode 18. The one where life is like a bowl of rainbow soup. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, you Theo naughty people. Because <laughs> I know you're naughty. <laughs> to some extent, we all are, David. But that's right. That's why we have God's grace <laughs> to fix that. <laughs> Amen. Welcome to episode 18. Yes, we are climbing on up, aren't we? That's right. That's great. All right, I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And I'm Kevin Gaddy. And all three are the Theonauts. That's right. So again, I have my son Kevin in the studio today. Hello. We're going to uh, be utilizing him in uh, <laughs> in our discussion. Did you lock the door? <laughs> so he can't escape. So you can't go anywhere. We are going to use you and abuse you. Today. That's right. Sounds awful. So, <laughs> so how uh, how's it been? How's how's your week been? Oh, been. Uh, great so far. Yeah. Uh, Kevin and I went with Riley, who was on the show before too. Yeah. Uh, and his brother Jack to a concert last night. Yeah. So who did we go see, Kevin? We went and saw Red and Demon Hunter. Yes. <laughs> Demon Hunter has been around now for thirteen, 13 years. years. Oh my goodness! Wow. Released their seventh studio album. Seventh studio album, just recently. They're and it's, still going it's strong, really man. good. Wow. It's harder, and we talked about uh, some of that type of music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it's uh, it's on the light side of metalcore. Right. But uh, Yeah. They have a big hit out on like Air One right now, Demon Hunter does. Uh, I Am a Stone, I think is the name of it. Or? Oh, that was the last that was, album. Yeah, that was... Oh, was that the yeah. last album? Yeah. I Will um, Fail You is the one that they just have out now. Oh, okay. See, and I love that concept because, and this is one thing that Demon Hunter is big on in their lyrics, it's about being broken and yeah. about how I'm, I am unfixable, like, completely in this life. Amen. That it's not until we're glorified that we become, yeah. you know, perfect. Right. And so uh, the, the song is called I Will Fail You, and the main lyrics say, uh, um, I will fail you of this, I am sure. Uh, I will remind you of the pain you felt before. Yeah. And then he says um, that when my sin is just a memory and faith is restored, I will fail you to the core. That's good. (laughs) And so it's very uh, honest. Yeah. That's what I really like about it is is, it's saying, man, I sure am glad (laughs) that grace covers me. Amen. Amen. Because <laughs> we're naughty people. That's right. Where there much the grace abounds. <laughs> Theo naughty. That's right. That's right. Well, I had a good week. Pretty much uh, just worked at the office kind of quiet. I went and took my nephew to see the Ninja Turtle movie last weekend. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The Ninja Turtle. So, okay, give us a quick uh, little review of the Ninja Turtle movie. All right. So here's what I thought about it. It wasn't Michael Bay's worst movie. <laughs> 
that's not helping much. <laughs> I like the action. I did not like the origin story unless they make another movie explaining in better detail. Because and I don't want to. Where's the spoiler alert button, Michael? We need that in here. <laughs> there you go. But they they did this origin story kind of kind of pointless. In other words, they were just lab. It was a lab rat and four lab turtles that got dumped in the sewer after they were injected with the ooze, and then they grew up and became these. And so there's no backstory with Splinter and Shredder other than uh, Splinter gets a finds a book in the sewer and trains himself how to do ninjutsu from the stupid book. (laughs) Okay. I mean, granted, it's a little unbelievable that four turtles become ninjas to begin with, but... (laughs) Right, but I want my unbelievability mixed in with some truth. Exactly. If it's going to be unbelievable, at least... I mean, come on. Who can learn... The Karate Kid already told us that you can't learn karate from a book. It has to come from a... (laughs) Master, right? So why in the world? Anyways, that's just my beef. But, and I also liked, I don't know, I'm just a purist in my Ninja Turtle. Right. I really like the original Jim Henson puppets uh, from the first movie. Right. They were just, they looked better. Mm. than And CGI, you know, they did they did wonders on CGI. I love the characters themselves, but the, the appearance just didn't fit. Really? Me. It just didn't. But well, I didn't hear any very any good reports about yeah, the movie. It wasn't so. outstandingly awesome, but I'd go watch it again, and I will, of course, buy the DVD because it's a Ninja Turtle thing. Well, so. I I did check I checked out uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> and I gotta say, wow, that, I, that was impressive. Yeah, I think it's the best <clears throat> su- summer movie. That, I would have to say. I mean, it has. Uh, it had its flaws. There was just yeah. a lack of character development in there, and right. and I think that if you weren't familiar with the Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, Universe. what's going on, right. it was kind of hard to follow what everyone's uh, what they're trying to do. Like, why is that Ronin guy trying to, to wipe out everyone on this planet? Right. I mean, but I know there's a backstory there, and I've heard that if you see it more than once, it feels you can pick it up better. Fill in some gaps, yeah. But uh, but outside of that, it moved at a really good pace. It was funny. It had uh, uh, all this this banter between the characters, yeah. which I really love. I am girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Vin Diesel at his finest. Yes, <laughs> that's amazing to me that they paid that guy three million dollars or something. You know, it was probably about that much to say I am grown like four times. <laughs> well, I tell you, my favorite role that Vin Diesel ever played was he was the voice of the Iron Giant. <laughs> <laughs> That's even less than man. He's got a prolific uh, cartoon voiceover. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. well and, and plus they synthesized his voice. You would never know it was him, right? From the and I, I read somewhere that he said the words "I am Groot", Groot yes. over a thousand times in the making of it. <laughs> <laughs> I could just see a master with more feeling. I am Groot. I am Groot. I could just see him. I am. Wait, line, line. <laughs> oh, no, that was a good movie. Did you wait until the end after the end credits? Oh yes, yes, yes. yes. So I, good. Dude, I got that. And so spoiler good. alert. I got to say something about it. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> because 
Okay, being an old school, I guess what Bronze Age, kid, um, you know, kid listening, yeah. looking at the comics. Uh, Howard the Duck was a cool character, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I always liked Howard the Duck until they made it into this horrible movie oh, in the eighties. Terrible. <laughs> but anyway, they do the whole Howard the Duck thing at the end. Yeah. And it was such a. Uh, I wasn't even expecting it. And of course, half the people in the audience go, "I don't get it." Yeah. Who is that? <laughs> so what is that? <laughs> so I had to tell. I lean over to one of my teenagers. Go, hey, that's Howard the Duck. And they're like, "Who's Howard the Duck?" I'm like, "Oh man!" <laughs> but you're using it. But you know, in the menagerie there, yeah. there's all kinds of little Easter eggs. Oh, like, yeah. like there are creatures in that guy's menagerie from other Marvel movies too. Right. Um, yeah, I noticed that, and I can't remember who all I saw, but yeah, there were a couple that yeah. puffed out to me. I actually read a Howard the Dark Spider-Man crossover the other day. Really? Yeah, I kind of thought of you. <laughs> it was called uh, Back in Quack. Back. In Quack. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. Wow. Wow. That's All cool. All right, well, let's do some news. And now, the news. Have you heard of the uh, the band Gunger? Yes. Uh, they're a Christian worship band. Um, Michael Gunger? Michael Gunger and his wife. And they uh, they actually came out with a really beautiful album uh, a while back. And their main song is Beautiful Things. It's an awesome song. It's really neat. But, anyways, they've been coming under a lot of scrutiny, scrutiny lately over beliefs. And um, Gunger came out a while back, about a year ago, I believe, and said that um, that he didn't believe in the uh, um, the the uh, creation account or the flood account, as Scripture says. Um, and I'll read you the blurb that he originally said. He said, I have no more ability to believe, for example, that the first people on earth were a couple named Adam and Eve that lived 6,000 years ago. I have no ability to believe that there was a flood that covered all the highest mountains in the world only 4,000 years ago, and that all the animal species that exist today are here because they were carried on an ark and then somehow walked uh, or flew all over the world from a mountain in the Middle East after the water dried up. All right, so... Of course, as soon as he said that, there was a huge backlash from the Christian uh, music uh, community, and um, he just uh, recently went on Bad Christian. Yeah, I listened um, to that, actually. Did you? Yes. What did you think about that? Um, well, it, it's very interesting, and this goes back to um, how appalling it is to me, the way the Christian uh, media mm-hmm. and the way that churches view Christians and the way they don't give them any grace at all is it's because this he wrote that like a year ago yeah right and it, but it's just now news right it's just now and it's going everywhere he's getting beat up like right. crazy about it well it wouldn't come out <clears throat> unless he was famous right <laughs> so the the thing the thing is okay I disagree with that right okay I, I I definitely believe in I believe that the Genesis is historical right and I mean I'd if he would give, you know, audience, I'd love to talk with him about it, you know, and all this sort of thing. Sure. So, but the thing is, he still maintains faith in Jesus Christ as his Savior and and, and still puts his faith and his trust in God's grace. So, the, the thing is, does your complete understanding of how Genesis worked going to change your, your final salvation? Is God going to look at you and go, oh, wait a minute. I know you're trusting in my son and his blood, but 
<laughs> you don't believe the flood happened. What about Noah? <laughs> You're not going to get Noah any slack, right. you know, whatever, and kick you into hell? No. I mean, right. I don't think that's going to happen. Right. So, but and, and the thing that is so fascinating to me about this is I was listening to this interview, and uh, great shout-out to the guys over at Bad Christian for the way they, they interviewed Michael. Michael was very... He didn't really want to talk about the issue yeah. much at all. He kept saying, I don't understand why this is such a big deal. And <laughs> and uh, come to find out throughout the course of the interview, we find out that Michael and his wife have had one of the worst years of their life. Like they are dealing with um, a just recently a death of a friend. Um, wow. They're dealing with, they have a child, a special needs child who is about to undergo surgery. And uh, they're having financial things, and all this is like piling on them. And what do the Christians do? They start banging on them, right? You know, and, and like dragging their name through the mud in the media, right? And it's like, where where is the grace that we're supposed to have to, especially our own brothers? Yeah, it's sad. And so, yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I don't agree with the statements that he made here, but. It's weird to me sure. that they would wait a year and then blow this into some big fiasco right? and to try and damage his reputation or he doesn't believe exactly the way I do on everything, so therefore yeah. he can't be a real Christian. Well, you and know? you know, I look at it this way. Uh, I don't think that our looking at the past as far as creation is any different than our looking at the future as far as the rapture or eschatology, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's the How much of us agree on that? Exactly. How much of us agree on that and yet, you know, what it what it comes down to is, is Jesus. And what he, he he made a pretty interesting point. He said if you ask any Christian before the enlightenment what is the foundation of your faith, everybody uh, was going to say Jesus Christ. Um, but if you ask someone now, especially an evangelical or fundamentalist, there's a good chance they're going to say the Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a really interesting distinction he makes, and I'd like to talk about this probably at a later date. But he distinguishes Christ from the Bible, and I don't know if you can do that too much. Uh, you have to be really careful, right, with that because of the word. The word became flesh, dwelt among us, right. You right. know, and I believe that the Bible is an authoritative. Uh, part of Christianity but what he's making what he draws out is the point that what makes somebody a Christian is their belief in Jesus Christ as Mm -hmm. Savior and Lord right if you put um, and you can arguably say the Bible and Jesus are the same because of the term the word became flesh but that being said is the written scripture trump Jesus and his grace and I don't think I don't think so at all because we can we can be I mean, we have all kinds of idols in our lives, and the Bible can be an idol. Right. And our understanding of the Bible can be an idol. It might not even be the proper understanding of the Bible. Right. So, anyway, so that I thought that was pretty interesting. But the fact that he went on Bad Christian to talk about that, I, I thought you might like that a little bit. And I didn't, yeah. I didn't know if you had listened to it or not. But um, so, yeah, our hearts go out to Gunger, by the way. Um, sorry about all that. That's tough going on. But. Yeah, they, they actually all got together on the podcast and, and prayed for him and his family. It, That's was, awesome. it was pretty awesome. Praise the Lord. So, um, man, there's so much going on in the news right now. So much depressing stuff. You got ISIS over there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess America is still uh, uh, dropping bombs on, on the ISIS leaders, which, you know, we need to because they're <laughs> they're killing Christians. But uh, And then you have um, the whole... Um, 
uh, Israel and uh, Hamas stuff going on. But then this, you know, the crazy thing, the Ferguson shooting, Ferguson, Missouri shooting of uh, Michael Brown, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I guess that from the news this morning, I guess there was another riot this morning. Uh, those of you who don't know what happened, uh, where have you been? But <laughs> pretty much the story is that Michael Brown, a black young man, was... Uh, uh, stopped by a police officer in the middle of the road. There's some scuffle. Something happened. Um, some people say he reached for uh, the police officer's gun. Some other people say that he was holding his hands up. There was no reach and uh, whatever. So basically what happens is Michael Brown ends up getting shot. Um, actually, the whole clip is emptied into him and he dies. And it starts sparks this race riot again. So right. Al Sharpton flies down there the next day. President Obama made comments about it. You have uh, Christians and non-Christians alike going down and protesting uh, what happened. and uh, But now they're, they're starting to loot. So uh, the police, two days ago, uh, released a report that uh, Michael Brown could have been implicated in this robbing of a, uh, a liquor store, and he mm-hmm. stole a $46 box of cigars, allegedly. Right. They have him on camera doing that. And so um, uh, it's crazy. So the police thought, well, maybe we'll release this to show that, you know, he was a criminal. Uh, but that had nothing to do with the shooting. <laughs> right. It doesn't actually... Exactly, because the police officer had no idea... On. The police officer had no idea that he had stolen this even before he stopped him. So, um, so it basically had no point. And so the people got even angrier trying to, you know, defame his name or whatever. And um, I'll just read you the story. It says police and about 200 protesters began clashing late Friday after another tense day in the St. Louis suburb, a day that included authorities identifying the officer who fatally shot Brown on August 9th as a at the same news conference in which Officer Darren Wilson was named, Ferguson Police Chief Thomas Jackson released documents alleging that Brown sold forty-eight $48.99 box of cigars from the convenience store, then strong-armed a man in his way. Just before midnight, some in what had been a large <clears throat> and rowdy but mostly well-behaved crowd broke into the same small store and began looting it. Uh, <laughs> nice. Wow. So the, these people are like, oh, we'll, we'll get, you know, we'll get back at that store. We'll loot the stupid thing. Well, what did the store have to do with any of this, right? right? But basically, so now they're, you know, there was a big riot this morning, more people being shot with rubber guns or rubber bullets and all this stuff and to stop them from looting. So, uh, man, that's a, it's an amazing concept that if you know if there's a racial tension anywhere, there's going to be either looting or you know some kind of riot. Yeah, to go like with if it. you're going to try and make a point, why are you going to break the law to do it? Exactly. I mean, why are you you're trying to uphold this guy as law abiding, but right. you're going to do it by looting, <laughs> breaking the law? Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, but. doesn't make any sense. And so you know. Basically, they're shooting themselves in the foot with that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, questions are, you know, arise. Did did this brown kid get shot for uh, for nothing? Was there, yeah. you know, something to that? And was, I think was it racially charged, charged or not? You know, and so I think it's definitely worth looking into. But you can protest peacefully. 
Yeah. You know, you don't yeah. have to protest wildly and crazily and, and loot or throw Molotov cocktails, you know, at the police or whatever. So that's an interesting development. I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what, what, what happens with that. So um, the last thing I have, of course, is uh, on Robin Williams. That news happened this week. Right. Uh, uh, for those of you, again, who don't know, where have you been? But uh, <laughs> basically, Robin Williams was... Uh, um, the comedian actor Robin Williams was found dead in his uh, apartment. Um, and the cause was apparently he hung himself. Um, and it was a suicide. Uh, they came out and said that he had you know, been depressed. He struggled with alcoholism. Um, and now recently his wife revealed that he was in the early onset stages of Parkinson's disease, mm. um, which is really interesting. So That uh, could have played into it. Yeah, that could have played into it. But... So they're holding the funeral. I think it's on um, uh, sometime soon. It actually doesn't say when the funeral is, but they're doing it um, a very private ceremony in San Francisco near his home. And uh, our good friends from Kansas, I say that tongue in cheek, Westboro Baptist Church is planning on going. Please. I'm not kidding you. Wow. Can you believe it? So, but this is a really cool, cool story. Uh, Westboro Baptist Church is trying to spread its vile message of intolerance with a disgraceful protest of Robin Williams' funeral. But planting peace is not letting the hate take root. So they're planning on going, Westboro Baptist is planning on going and protesting it, wearing shirts that say that he was a fag pimp. That's their shirt. That's what they're going to claim. And I don't even know what that means. It's just hate. Um, Yeah, crazy. But uh, Planting Peace, a nonprofit organization founded in 2004 with a mission to spread love and equality around the globe, is set to challenge Westboro's planned protest uh, with with a fundraiser. The group also also owns the uh, Equality House, which is uh, situated directly adjacent to the Westboro Baptist Church in Topeka, <laughs> Kansas. Oh, wow. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that is. So uh, it says, Robin Williams played many different roles in many people's lives, and giving back to others was at the top of the list. Aaron Jackson, co-founder of Planning Peace, told the Huffington Post in an email on Friday. His appeal uh, crossed... Uh, generational boundaries. I was personally impacted when I heard of his passing. This is a small gesture of honor of his legacy and the difference he made to so many. So they're raising their their goal is to raise thirty thousand uh, um, dollars as an anti protest mm-hmm. um, against Westboro. Uh, raise thirty thousand dollars and donate it to uh, the St Jude Children's Hospital. And and yeah. Robin Williams name. Robin Williams was a big fan of St Jude's and. And work to, to contribute a lot of money to them. So I thought that's really neat that there's yeah. actual people, you know, standing up and going, oh, okay, you protest, we're going to raise yeah. money and love others through it. Well, so. and, and we see a lot of this anti protesting, protesting happening against, uh, you know, these guys. Yeah. And, it's, and it's usually very peaceful and very, I mean, like, uh, you know, when we had this uh, funeral not too far from here, Westboro was supposed to show up. Right. And, um, we had you know two three hundred bikers show up. They're part of, of of a group that that's what they do. They travel around in order to. This was a soldier's funeral, and they they came to get in the way of Westboro. Right. That's <laughs> so, awesome. So yeah. that's pretty much all I have in the news for today. 
Alrighty. Well, um, in light of the of the news that um, you just gave us about Robin uh, about Robin Williams, I thought that it would be uh, appropriate for us to discuss about if you if you guys are out there on Facebook, there's no way you haven't been inundated seriously by uh, messages about Robin Williams passing and. If you, especially if you are a Christian and you have Christian friends, and you're probably seeing a lot of banter about depression and suicide and all these opinions that are popping up, and so we thought it'd be a, a really a good thing to talk about Christianity and depression, anxiety, and uh, and suicide. Yeah, there's a lot of. Uh I guess, uh, unawareness surrounding this issue of depression and a lot of uh, speculation that goes on with depression, um, mainly because, you know, we don't understand it as, as a people yet. I don't think we really get it. And um, there's so many different factors that play into it. And so with a Christian, you know, uh, as a Christian, you're supposed to have a Christian's perspective on everything. And so mm-hmm. what is the Christian perspective of um of depression, yeah. I tell you, uh, Robin Williams, that, and I imagine it hit everybody because he's such a well-known, you know, actor, and, and he's so likable. Yeah, he's a likable guy. Right, he just simply is, you know, and and a lot of people might think, oh, well, you know, he was pretty derogatory to stand up, and yeah, he was kind of lewd and a lot mm-hmm. of stuff, but at the same time, man, he had so many movies where it just made you feel good, like Mrs. Doubtfire, and um, and. Uh, and so I tell you, it's it's a it was a shocker to me at first. I didn't believe it whenever he committed suicide, and then when I finally you know saw that they were actually reporting, yeah, he he had. I was just how in the world can somebody like that commit suicide? Right. But well, it's because we have a if you don't suffer from it, you have a hard time empathizing, right, or mm-hmm. sim- or even sympathizing. Sure. And so that's one of the reasons why I asked Kevin to to sit with us today because um, if you guys out there that, that don't know uh, Kevin, he does suffer from depression, anxiety, right. and has had suicidal tendencies. And so, um, uh, Kevin, what was what was your first reaction when you heard about Robin Williams and how he died and that sort of thing? Well, first reaction was obviously this isn't a real article. I'm going to go look this up. <laughs> yeah. <Right. laughs> <laughs> so you have to do half the time on Facebook. <laughs> Facebook <yep. laughs> because, you know, <clears throat> even, even as someone who suffers from depression and, uh, you know, knowing some of the feelings that go along with it, seeing somebody, you know, like Robin Williams, who, uh, who always made people laugh, made people feel good. And, uh, he, he played a special role in my life <laughs> in the fact that, um, his role in Dead Poet Society is what caused me to want to go to school to be an English teacher. Wow. So um, he did impact my future in a way with that. And so seeing somebody like that and uh, hearing that they killed themselves, it, it just makes you think, and I like that, that can't be, even though <laughs> yeah, I, I know the feeling. Um, <clears throat> but when when I first realized that man, this is real. You know, I, it hit me more than pretty much any celebrity death. There's, 
celebrities die all the time, and I don't really think anything of it because I don't really know the people. I don't, um, I haven't been really affected by the people. But uh, Steve Irwin and Robin Williams <laughs> are the two. Steve are, Irwin, huh? Are the two? He was an amazing man. He okay. was, yeah. <laughs> are the are the only two celebrities that I've ever like cried over? Wow. <laughs> but um, it wasn't. The fact that I grew up watching his movies, it wasn't the fact that I love Aladdin and I love a dead poet society and I love all these movies at the end. It was in the fact that he died over something that I'm suffering from. Yeah. And um, I'm doing significantly better in my walk right now. And uh, I guess later on we'll, we can probably talk about that in the well, way the way I view depression but um, well, um, won't you won't you give us like a short little testimony of where you've been with it so that will kind of give us a background to understand right. okay if you can make it through a, the short, a short little testimony well it all starts <laughs> in third grade <laughs> <laughs> now in um, in third grade I was diagnosed with uh, minor Tourette syndrome and uh, it was it's anxiety do- induced, and so I started being medicated for uh, for health issues like that in third grade. And as I grew up, the anxiety slowly started um, evolving, I guess, to different anxiety mental health issues. <clears throat> but it was. It was always really bad, um, but I always hit it until uh, <laughs> this. This is gonna be the hard part to talk about. Um, my <laughs> my closest friend and uh, probably the closest thing I ever had to a brother um, ended up killing himself in 2011. And when that happened, I realized that I started needed to get help. For the things I was going through. So I started becoming more open about the problems I had. Um, I started going to doctors, getting medicated. Um, I don't even think I can go into details right now <laughs> about about all this stuff, but it was, it was, it was really dark. And uh, I moved off to Missouri for college. Um, I have no clue when I think back on it how I was able to do that. <laughs> But, um, like I said, I I went to be an English teacher. (laughs) But I ended up having to drop out of college and move back home because there was two weeks where I didn't get out of bed at all. And so uh, there was no way I'd be able to catch up on my classes. And at the rate I was going, there's no way I'd be able to finish my classes. So I moved back home. And um, one night, things got really bad, and I decided to uh, go to the ER and have myself checked into the hospital. And so uh, that was a really rough rough night. Uh, We were at the ER for a couple hours, and then they put me on the ambulance and transferred me over to the the Behavioral Health Center. And so uh, leading up to that, uh, had you... At this point, you you were contemplating suicide. Yes, right? so. like uh, it was, it was almost a nightly thing, and um, 
Sorry if it's hard to talk about. No, that's <laughs> that's understandable. That's great. I mean, but, I, I, my my hope, and in I don't want to put you through, you know, anything painful. But you know, we've got a lot of people now starting to listen to the show, and yeah. so I'm hoping that this will help inform and, right. and help people to understand where this is coming from. Yeah. <laughs> well, I um, I wrote a blog of sorts on on Facebook after Robin Williams' death, and and one thing I said uh, is I can't. And I won't say that I know what you're going through. <laughs> um, to do so, honestly, would be complete ignorance on my part. Because depression is such a a not understood thing. Um, we all go through different things and a depression affects us differently. So I, I won't say that I know what you're going through. But I will say I, I know what it's like to be in a similar situation. And... Uh, you know, I know what it's like to be in, in a hole that you can't get out of. And I know what it's like to go to bed crying and, and, and praying to God to take your life so you don't have to. Yeah. And and, and uh, so please know that I, I don't want to try and, like, look down upon you in, in any kind of way because I don't know. I don't know what you're going through. Yeah. But um, I was in the hospital for – it was – a little under a week. It was probably about five days, six days. And, um, and, uh, funny story. It was actually pretty great. I was laying there in bed and doctor comes in and goes, your preacher's here. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what? Because, uh, the church, the church I went to, um, we didn't have paid a preacher. All the, the male members took in turn being the speaker. And so I was confused. And um, I was like, what are you talking about? And the man says, oh, your preacher's outside. I'm here to talk to you. And I started thinking. I was like, is he a larger bearded fella? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> so I walk out with this uh, the nurse tech and go into the room and Jeremiah's sitting there talking to me. It's <laughs> the only way that I can get it to see They're like, uh, well, he just, he's not allowed to see family or, or friends or whatever. He's only allowed to see family. I said, well, I'm his pastor. <laughs> so they, they, you know, I knew you'd be confused about that. So we, we talked. It was a really awkward conversation because the, yeah, the nurse techs were allowed to leave the room and uh but it was good to see jeremiah he gave me a copy of uh, the ragamuffin gospel by uh brendan manning to read while i was there (laughs) but anyways um i got out of the hospital and you know it, it helped for a little bit but things just went more and more downhill sure and um you know i finally started I needed to do something different. I finally started to view life differently. And my turning point, I think, was um, the new year of 2013. Um, every New Year's, we have a get-together of a bunch of, of youth kids at uh, a lake in Oklahoma. And one of the things they were doing was we all picked a person and would write a, a, a loving letter on a sticky note and one person would put it on another person's door to the room they were staying in. Hey. And I was having a really, really, really bad night. Um, I, I couldn't hardly even get out of bed. 
and it was like my birthday. <laughs> and so um, my my good friend from Missouri uh, decided to take me out to Waterburger. I think it was Waterburger. Yeah, take me out to Waterburger, cheer me up. And when I got back home, or I say home, when I got back to the the lodge, I went and I looked at my door, and the entire door was just covered from <laughs> from head to toe with sticky notes, all different um, things of encouragement and telling me how much I mean to people, and it wow. and it just got me thinking about all the uh, the, diff- the different stuff going on in my life, and. Um, after we got home from from that trip, I remember going up to my room and crying. And uh, I came downstairs in tears, and I looked at Dad, and I remember just saying, Father, I want to live. And uh, we hugged, and I told him that I wanted to be rebaptized. So we went up to the church, filled the baptistry, and uh, we, we got her done. <laughs> And I, I probably shouldn't have done this, but I stopped my medication completely. And um, I'm here to tell you, you probably shouldn't do that if, if you're going through this. Medication, doctors, that's an amazing thing, and it was given to us for a reason, and, and please use that. But uh, <laughs> me personally, I was tired of taking medicine, been doing it constantly since third grade, and I just decided to give it to God. And um, I've been completely off medicine since January of 2013. Um, my life has significantly improved, but um, I still very much suffer depression. I still very much suffer from from suicidal thoughts. And about two months back or so, I had a really close friend call me. And uh, they had a friend who was suffering from depression and when they called me, they were, they were almost in tears. And they said, Kevin, it, it doesn't ever get better, does it? And at the time, I was feeling I was feeling really good. And so I said, um, it, it, it takes time, but it does. And after I said that, uh, part of me wanted to believe that. And part of me uh, <laughs> knew I was lying through my teeth. <laughs> but... Um, when I think about it, you know, I can't know this for a fact, but when I think about it, I, I honestly don't think it, it does ever get better. I, I think it, it stays there, but I think we learn to go about it differently. Wow. Because. That's a beautiful statement right there. <laughs> well, it's all, and I think that, that it's like anything else. Yes. It's all about how you deal with what you've been given in life. That's right. We don't all have perfect lives. I mean, people that don't suffer from depression have other issues, yeah. do we not? And uh, like, you know, uh, maybe you're diagnosed with cancer. How do you deal with that? Right. And, and, and I think, you know, as a Christian, how do you deal with it? Do you go, oh, my faith wasn't great enough? Or do you, or, or do you put more faith in God because of the suffering? So, like, right. the thing that, that that gets me uh, that surrounds this, and I can relate to this because uh, as I grew up as a Christian, never had severe depression, never had any real depression at all in my life or anxiety. Um, 
I always, and I, I say this with shame, but I always looked down yeah, yeah. on people who suffered from depression. Yeah. And the reason why is because I, as a faithful, quote-unquote, Christian, could not understand why someone with hope and faith could ever, all that is is a lack of faith. That's the way I would phrase it. So, um, and... and I didn't realize that it is as much of a medical issue as cancer. Right. It is just as as debilitating and as deadly. Right. Uh, But you don't have people going to cancer victims and saying, just cheer up. Yeah. You know, or just get over it. (laughs) And I think uh, what what Kevin said when you say, you know, you learn how to cope with it differently is exactly true. One of the things that I I look at, you know, I grew up the same as you, David, Um, I never had depression, really. I never struggled with any of that. In fact, uh, I would go overboard to say, listen, you know, you need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, go out there, and realize that God has given you everything, and, you, you know, you need to take it. You yeah, know what you I mean? Got, you got a good life. What exactly, are you depressed about? Exactly. You know, you, you don't have any, you know, missing limbs. You don't have cancer. You don't have nothing visible that we can see that's wrong with you. So what's the matter? Right, and that that was my mindset um, until, and this is this is what's amazing until I really, until I met Kevin. Okay, um, a lot of my mindset was that until uh, God allowed me to see the depression of Kevin and see it through the eyes of a friend. Mm-hmm. So for the first time, I'm going, whoa, there's something here because I know Kevin Gaddy, and Kevin Gaddy is not one of those lazy kids he's not a kid that's you know just doesn't want to do anything right there's something serious and there and there is an abundance of faith there that's right and so for the first time and this is where i think this is why i believe god allows people to go through depression as much as he allows them to go through cancer or go through aids or go through whatever he has a purpose in it and one of the purposes was for an idiot youth pastor to see, you know, there's something greater here, and to and to, in the future uh, look at this differently. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? And so uh, there's a reason for Kevin's depression. If that alone is might be the reason, there are hundreds of other reasons, and that's you know, it's all about how you view it, right? You know, yeah, and and I I can relate exactly. I'm. Kevin is the reason why I have a different view of it because yeah. I've lived with it, and um, and it, it's so irritating when other Christians will say things like, "Well, he just needs to man up," or "He just needs to whatever." I'm like, "Dude, you don't you, you don't get it at all." Um, one of the things that I was listening to uh, to a, a teacher down in Denton talk about this, and and he went through depression. He's um, uh, at uh, the Denton Bible Church, I believe, down there. Um, can't remember his name, Ralph. But anyway, um, he was talking about his experience with it and how he described it. He says, a lot of people think that depression is sadness, but depression is not sadness. Like clinical depression is the complete absence of emotion, yeah, not feeling. It's because that you don't have the chemicals in your in firing to give you well, em, emotion. It's like 
you know, one of my least favorite questions is, well, what makes you, what makes you depressed? Why are you depressed? You have nothing to be depressed about because I can't give them the answer to that. I, I don't know. I'm just depressed. <laughs> right. Right. Because and, there's no trigger. I mean, people, there's no physical trigger. People for don't it. get that. And I've, I've had to tell people that same thing before. I was like, listen, depression and sadness are two completely different things. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's I mean, this guy described it as a black hole. Yeah. A complete absence. He says, I didn't want to get out of bed because there was no reason to. Like, there, there's no reason to even exist anymore. I have, I have no feeling, no love. He says, I care less about my family at that point. Wow. My wife, my kids meant nothing because I had a complete absence of feeling and love and everything. So he's just like, it's just a big black hole. And so it's like, how do you deal with that? And the only way that I believe you can deal with it is to lay it at the foot of Jesus, beg for his mercy and plead for, you know, it's not about, oh, well, I need to build my faith and make it stronger and I need to be a better Christian. And, uh, you know, we've heard people say, well, it's the result of sin, handling a a situation in your life through, you know, that was sinful. (laughs) That's just insanity. I mean, (laughs) so... Wow. Well, yeah, is cancer a result of sin? No. And that's, you know, well, in the greater picture, you know, because of the fall, we have, we have all struggles, you Mm -hmm. know, all of us. And that's the, you know, that's a real realization. I, um, when I think of depression scripture, my mind goes to Psalm 42 almost every time Mm -hmm. about the sons of Korah. And you can go further than that I mean you can you can look at almost all the major prophets right uh, who were the book of lamentation yes <laughs> <laughs> lamenting that's the <laughs> it means lamenting I don't <laughs> anyways uh, but <laughs> you look at all the major prophets and they struggled you, you look at David and David has horrible depression in his life in certain areas um, but you have Psalm 42, which was written by the sons of Korah, um, and they say, verse 3, My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a picture of depression right there, where they're, where they're so depressed that they don't see God. Right. You know? Um, I don't know about... <laughs> Kevin, can you add any light to that? To that? Oh, uh, definitely. Um, I remember... uh, This is probably one of my hardest stories to tell. Um, I remember one night while I was up in Missouri. I remember getting in my car and driving around one night. And um, I remember just cursing God. And I, I remember coming to the conclusion that there was no God. And, you know, I, I thought that for a little bit. I, I had completely lost faith in, in sure. any kind of deity. And, um, but God has shown himself to me <laughs> on so many different occasions. And, uh, He's constantly showed me that I'm loved, Amen. and uh, because of that, I, I cannot, I cannot doubt that there is a God. It's, 
he's there. You just have to open your eyes and see him. <laughs> well, if we stop and think about this too, when do people, when do people draw closest to God? When they are in need, mm-hmm. right? Second Corinthians twelve. Right, right, right. So that was that was a huge verse that that's, I know yeah, that, that has has really inspired you. Yeah, um, you know, I think about when it says he'll never put us through anything we can't handle, and then uh, what is it? Second Corinthians twelve, when Paul's talking about the thorn in his flesh. Uh, mm-hmm. Starting in verse 7, says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about that it shouldn't leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. <laughs> wow. See, that is so powerful. Because if you stop and think about it, if you had no problems whatsoever, you could be, you would be a conceited person. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and that's what, what Paul is saying. The reason why I had this thrown in the flesh was because I've been given so much, I would draw to I know myself, I would become a conceited person, right. and and if we look at at, at our, our lives and stuff like, for example, where I was before uh, this issue came up with Kevin in in my life, the way I was conceited about my view of other people. Yeah. When I would see someone that was depressed, I'm like, you should be like me, so, right? So are you saying I'm a thorn in your flesh? You, no. <laughs> your depression is a thorn in your flesh and a thorn in my flesh. Wow. But the, the, but the thing is, that's where, when, when God wants to be the center of your life, right? He wants to be everything to you. And you've got to get out of the way. You've got to get your conceit out of the way. And what did he tell Paul? He was like, you know what? I'm not going to take this away from you. Because if I take this away from you, you won't realize that it's in your weakness where I actually exist. That's right. Well, what need does a, does a strong man who has no problems have of God? None. I'm not sure. in his own mind. Exactly. And, <laughs> and that's, that's what we're dealing with, our own minds. And so the fact is, you know, we need... We need this hardship, right? And I, uh, I said it in my blog. I believe that that the world needs depressed Christians. Amen. I really do because only through depressed Christians can they empathize, empathize with with hurting people. Mm-hmm. You know, with people who are just just downtrodden, and then show them through their depression a picture of hope. Right. You know, when Kevin. Uh, fully relies on on the grace of God to get him through this because it is sufficient exactly and he comes down with tears in his eyes and says I need to you know I want to live what a what kind of a picture is that to the outside world that says you know it's only through Christ that we can do anything well and you know I remember that night of course very vividly and and when we took him to the baptistry and uh, just our family, mm-hmm. and baptized him again. I had this is the second time I ha- I have done this. 
I'd been there before. I held him in my arms and submitted him to the grave and resurrected. Yeah. Um, so the the thing that I kept thinking about was um, was Jesus's friend Lazarus, right? When Lazarus, he called Lazarus from the grave once. Yeah. Come out of the grave, right? And Lazarus did come out, but there was another step that had to happen. What did Jesus tell the people there to do? Unbind him. Yeah. And set him free. And I saw this as you know the first time we did this. Kevin came out of the grave, but this time we're unbinding. Amen. We're unbinding him. That's great. Wow. So, well, um, right quick. Um, did, oh, go ahead. One more thought. Um, I kind of stopped on. You have to. It doesn't go away. You view things differently, and I want to tell you real quick <coughs> how I view it now. Awesome. Romans five. Starting in verse 2 says, Through him we have also attained access by faith into the grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. I um I still suffer from it really bad. Um, I usually hang out with my my insomniac friends all night because uh, if I'm at home alone in my bed, it's just the thoughts just keep going and keep going and keep going. Um, the difference now, whereas before I wanted to give in to those. The difference now, I, I, I don't give in because I've realized that in a way God has given me a gift. You know, the Bible says he's never going to put us through anything that we can't handle. And I fully believe that as bad as I hurt and as bad as I want to end it all, sometimes I have been given a gift. Mm-hmm. Because without ever having going through these emotions and, and through these pains, I would have never made friends that I have I I never would have been able to to help certain people who are suffering from the same things and, and similar things and I've had people that I've never met before and people that I barely know and people who I'm really close to all come to me and say Kevin I'm I'm going to take my life what do I do and because of that I get to share them the love of Jesus Christ yeah. and so Yes, I I do feel these things, but I try my best not to let it get to me because it's bigger than me, and I choose to stand on something stronger than myself. Yeah, that's awesome. Amen. That'll preach, brother. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you know the the uh, one thing I wanted to talk a little bit to is is this issue of of suicide. Uh, Kevin mentioned the young man who took his life uh, that was a friend of his and uh, he was a good friend of mine as well one of the strongest Christian men I've ever met in my life one oh, of the mo- absolutely most studied most knowledgeable he could he could quote scriptures find scriptures he was a deep thinker I mean he was just like an amazing Christian man one, one thing I really loved was uh, 
if he ran into just any strangers at all, like in public, he just invited them to church. Hmm. Uh, at his family night, we were talking to one of the, one of our friends, <clears throat> and they were at Hastings together. And he accidentally bumped into somebody and was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, hey, you should come to church, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and this friend of his was like, you can't just do that, Brandon. You can't just go up to a stranger and invite them to church. <laughs> and uh, then she stopped and thought about it and she goes, but then I never would have came to church because I was a random stranger that he bumped into and invited wow. as well. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, and the, the thing I guess I, I got about that that I wanted to, to just touch on briefly is that, uh, and I'm sorry if you guys, if there are any Catholics out there um, that are going to disagree with this. But you're just wrong. <clears throat> but the <laughs> suicide is not an unforgivable sin. Amen. Um to believe so is to rely on your strength and your ability to obey in order to be saved. Mm. Uh, it is it is a slap in the face of Jesus Christ because it says your grace is not strong enough, your blood is not strong enough to save me in mm. my sinful nature. Um, if if a person reaches the point to where they've, they've taken their life, if they have put their faith in Jesus Christ and are leaning on Him for um, forgiveness, then that is, a, that, that is no more of an unforgivable sin or a damnable sin than any other sin in Amen. your life. Amen. That's right. And so uh, I say that mainly so Christians will stop being judgmental. Yeah. That's we we have to stop pointing fingers at other people and saying you're not good enough. Yeah, uh, that's and stop pointing your fingers at depressed people, especially depressed Christians, and saying you just need to man up mm-hmm. because it's not that easy. In fact, and I just uh, I want to touch on this real quick. If you have a depressed friend or somebody that you know that's depressed that comes to you for for help. The number one thing you need to do is make sure that you're tempered in love completely. Yes. You need to show them the love of Christ. Well, that's basically what you do for anyone, but especially for someone who's depressed. The last thing you need to tell them is just to get over it. Right. You do not need to just just blanket their uh, unwillingness to... Um, a lot of people who are depressed, uh, clinical depression, they have anxiety. And this anxiety uh, causes them not to be able to say work uh, a nine-to-five job like a quote-unquote normal person right okay this does not mean that they are lazy mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with their willingness to do it in fact i imagine their willingness out outweighs your willingness to do it they want to it's it's a it's a clinical problem yeah. they have okay and so the last thing you need to do is say you know pull yourself up by your yeah, bootstraps get over it and get a job you need. To you be, wouldn't do that to a cancer patient. No, you so don't do it to a depressed patient. Exactly. Um, now there, there's you know everything that you do is tempered in love. There's a time when you need to help them out, uh, maybe stronger than than other times. But that doesn't mean you need to tell them to you know get over it. Yes, this is a medical condition. Exactly. They're not going to get over it. <laughs> and, and and another thing is, don't tell people. 
I know what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin just touched on this for a little bit. Anytime you do that, you're a liar because you don't know what the what people true. are feeling. Even if you've been through a similar situation, you don't know what they're feeling. And this goes for a lot of things in life. Someone loses a husband or a wife or a child and you've lost a husband, wife, or child, don't say, hey, I know what you're going through because you don't know what they're going through because it's different for everybody. Instead, tell them that you love them and that you're there for them. Right. I, I just like to add to that. Um, when I was my worst, um, I hated it when people would talk to me. I hated it when people would would try and comfort me by saying, you know, as, as good as their heart and intentions were, I hated it when people just tried to talk to me. Um, but I will say the things that meant the most were when my friends were just there for me, even when it was sitting in silence. I remember having a really bad night one night, and I texted one of my friends. And uh, when I woke up the next morning, he was just chilling in my floor on his computer, <laughs> just like yeah. just chilling, just yeah. being there. And, and there was another night when I had some friends over, and uh, we were all uh, watching TV, and I was having a super bad night, and I was freaking out, and I passed out on the couch. And uh, I woke up like three hours later, <laughs> expecting all of them to be gone. <laughs> but I woke up and they were all just sitting there. And and you know what's what's so awesome about that is that, you know, I know some of these kids you're referring to, and they're not. Some of them aren't what we would consider faithful or whatever. Right. And so it's like funny how these these friends know what it means they 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 get it you know whereas a lot of christians are the are the ones pointing fingers and the one and giving bad advice you know it goes back to the the jews used to have a practice very similar to what kevin just mentioned it's called sitting shiva and it means you come in when someone is grieving or or suffering or whatever and you come in and you sit with them period you don't talk with them right you come in you just sit with them and because it sends that unspoken communication that says I love you right. and I'm here for you right. and uh, you can read about this in the book of Job Job's friends come and for a full week they sit with him and don't say anything Right. I will say that's the best thing they did Yeah. Because, the when, <laughs> because when they opened their mouth stupidity it, fell out it, exactly <laughs> it just all went to pot that's okay. they, they should have spent the rest of that time yeah. sitting Shiva instead of trying to give him advice. You know, whenever I first became a pastor, I had some advice from uh, some of the best pastors I've ever sat under. Um, You know, I followed them around uh, to hospitals Mm -hmm. and uh, watched them and how they handled, especially uh, somebody who had either lost a spouse or a child and how they handled that. You know, and part of me is going, dude, I don't know what the first thing to say to that person. Right. And... I'll never forget a good pastor, um, leader of mine, Tom Bacon, says, Jeremiah, and he's 80 years old, so that's how he talked, Jeremiah, you just don't say anything. <laughs> and he meant You're it. You're a wonderful old man. <laughs> Thank you. That's great, isn't it? <laughs> but that's what he said, Jeremiah, you don't say anything. What you do is you sit there with them, and while you're sitting there, you pray for them. Amen. And the minute they talk to you, 
you can respond to them, but the whole time you sit there, you put your arm around them, and you cry with them, and you lament with them, and you allow that person to grieve. There's nothing you can say. No. Nothing you can say will fix anything. So uh, don't... Don't be conceited again. Don't try to you're, fix your you're not gonna You're not going <laughs> to fix it. So just be there for people. Love, love people. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> okay, so we don't really have voicemail. Oh, man. But I push, but you I got pu- me so excited. <laughs> I pushed the button because we do have email, which is almost as good. <laughs> As hearing we got a fax this, this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just this came over the wire. Um, we got an uh, email from Ron of the Red Oaks. Who, uh, good shout out to him. He's been with uh, the the GCT network and those involved for a while now. He's yeah. been a good, a good a good listener. He's left us a voicemail before. He is giving us feedback on uh, episode fourteen. Yeah. Do you remember that episode? The great Christian music. Hey, wow. Countdown. You, I didn't even have to say anything about the title. You just <laughs> nailed well, it. I kind of read ahead. Oh, that's right. Oh. Cheater. <laughs> so, okay. So, uh, I want to just, it's a long read. Uh, and his, the P.S. is sorry if I ramble, but you know that's just me. <laughs> Which, because I can. Ramble on, man. Because ramble I can on. relate yeah. to Ron and his rambling. I will uh, I, I will indulge you uh, by by reading uh, what he wrote to us. So it's it's pretty cool. It's it's about okay. If you don't remember it, or if you did not listen, uh, episode <laughs> fourteen was about uh, music that we liked. Right. And and so um, he's responding. He says, "Hi guys, I truly enjoy listening to your show. I was delighted by the top five list, and my daughter has already bought some of the songs you mentioned. Wow. She is a Theonauts listener too. Cool. I have been very busy with work, but I have been chomping at the bit to comment on your music podcast. My family enjoys listening to music a great deal, so this episode had me cheering in the stands." <laughs> this morning, I was listening to an interview given by Steven Taylor to NPR regarding his album, Squint. It is an interview from the 1990s, but, but worth listening to as he actually hit on some of the same things that you said. Huh. And he gives a link to the interview. We'll put that in the show notes. He says, I have been listening to CCM since 1993. That's uh, um, contemporary Christian music. Yes. CCM. It is not my favorite style. But I still find myself moved by the musicians of that era. I am finding now that there are a lot more honest bands that talk about how you really feel and address people's hurts and concerns. Hmm. You were just talking about that. Yeah. I am also a big fan of satire and well as music that confronts and convicts. To me, this is instrumental in spiritual renewal, realizing that you need it. Yeah. I have my own top five. And can't pick a favorite, so here they are in no particular order. Uh, Steven Taylor, as he just mentioned, yep, uh, because there's lots of satire, and it's a favorite of my kids. Um, 10th Avenue North, he says there are great lyrics, great voice, lots of deep emotions and spiritual honesty there. Good musicians, too. Yeah. Family Force 5. <laughs> Drinking like a chainsaw. Gotta get the dance on. <laughs> So he says, super energetic, crump rock style. Yeah. Band has three of Jerome Old's son, sons in it. I did not know that. Huh. Uh, Newsboys, 
with and without Peter Furler. <laughs> Great. Okay. So these guys got me into CCM because they were on the fringe at the time and very catchy. I'm still a big fan of them. Uh, I have to comment a little bit about Newsboys. One thing I really liked about them was, especially the older stuff, was just how weird and... <laughs> <laughs> like the lyrics are strange. See, their greatest album ever was "Take Me to Your Leader." Oh, I know that's really good. Oh, they, they they don't serve breakfast in hell. They don't that's serve right. breakfast in hell. <laughs> People would come to their concerts and throw Captain Crunch up on stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so awesome. And then apologetics is with an X. Yes. <laughs> 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 no comment, bud. <laughs> so this is a parody band that takes modern and classic music and makes a Bible-themed parody. Their motto is reaching the lost and teaching the rest. Yeah. And uh, so he says, I actually have ten more, but you've already covered Lecrae, Switchfoot, and Red. And yeah. Demon Hunter, which we just saw both of those last mm-hmm. night. Demon Hunter was a pretty hard band that was sold as being Christian. It is very good listening to Not Ready to Die. That's one of their songs. They endure a lot of scrutiny, but they truly seem to be trying to reach a special audience with the gospel. Mm. On the subject of DC talk, they are still around. <laughs> All now leading different styles of music. Right. <laughs> kind of a triumvirate of CCM scene. Toby <laughs> Mack is doing hip hop. Kevin Mack's doing rock. He's now the lead singer of Audio Adrenaline. And Michael Tate. Doing News Boys. <laughs> He's doing News Boys. That's right. Actually, K-Max uh, quit Audio A. Oh, Kevin Max did? They recorded one album, and then K-Max oh, said, see like, you later. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. he's, he's doing his own thing again. Now, Michael Tate, is he still doing the Newsboys? Oh, yeah. yeah so. They make money, man. So <laughs> I, I read a few differing opinions on music. I recall one such opinion was that music in itself is only that. Music and no one would ask if Mozart was, quote-unquote, Christian music. I like to enjoy all types of music, of most every genre imaginable, with the exceptions of being offensive... Uh, exceptions being offensive lyrics sexually or profane and other things that I might not want to pass on to my kids the good people at Finding Christ in Cinema have this to say be a filter not a sponge (laughs) that's good (laughs) which I think is very wise I do too but that has its limits too I try not to put anything into my family's ears that I don't want to come out of their mouths so unlike movies music will get stuck in your head and everyone has that song that they can't get out of their head and then onto our tongues. That's so true. That's right, yeah. <laughs> so you guys would probably enjoy listening to an interview on Focus on the Family featuring Lecrae. That's uh, April 14th uh, of this past year, of this oh, year. I'll have to check that out. Thanks for a great thought-provoking podcast. I really love it. Kind regards, Ron of the Red Oaks. Thanks, Ron. Ron, thank you very much. Jeez, so that's, that's awesome. about all we have planned yeah. uh, for the day. Uh, we are on the GCT network. We, you can email us at now theonauts at gctnetwork.com. That's right. Just like Ron of Red Oaks did. You can also leave us voicemail at 972-885-7270. You can tweet to us at Theonautical. That's on Twitter. And facebook.com slash Theonauts. There's tons of ways to, to do this. Also, don't forget to go on to iTunes and Stitcher. Give us some, some ratings. Give us some comments because that stuff 
helps us get right. listened to more. Yep. Because when people go into iTunes to search for a podcast they want to hear and they type in Christian stuff, they're going to come up higher on the we're going to come up higher in the in the selection if you people like us. Right. So go on there, tell us that you like us. Uh, tell us whatever you want. I don't care. We'll <laughs> Give us some kind of feedback. Give us, us some kind of feedback. There. Let us know that you're listening. and That's that right. you're. So anyway, um, Kevin, thanks very much for coming on and being as honest and vulnerable as we made you feel. Yeah. Anytime. That's awesome, man. <laughs> so, thanks a bunch. And thanks for being here, Jeremiah. You too, David. You guys have a great weekend. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission Transmission. At GCTNetwork.com. This is your Great Commission Transmission.